very idea, a philosophy podcast. Hello, everyone. I went uh, uh, traveling for the first time in a long time uh, this past weekend. Things have opened up in this uh, country, Japan. Well, actually, never really closed down. Recently, the government has started campaigns to get people traveling. It's called Go Travel. They use the English just for me. Basically, uh, you get these really huge discounts on hotels and uh, cash to spend in rural areas. If you travel to certain parts of the country that are suffering from a lack of tourism these times. So I went to a place that's famous for sweet potatoes. It's really interesting, but they build a tourist industry around a particular variety of sweet potatoes. And people will actually go seek out and travel to these places. Japanese people are really uh, good at appreciating the little things and the um, minute differences of life. I've been here for a long time, but uh, I still have a lot to learn from Japanese people. They make soft serve sweet potato ice cream, which sounds, you know, horrible, but it is amazing. I've had soy sauce ice cream too before. You know, that sounds disgusting too, but it actually had a nice umami taste mixed with nice creamy flavors. Basically, I think if you, you can make anything taste good in ice cream for as long as, you know, as long as you care uh, enough about it. And Japanese people certainly care about the products they uh, put out. Oh yeah, I had uh, fermented soybean natto ice cream too. I didn't think uh, fermentation and ice cream would mix, but it was uh, it was a delight. Now, from sweet potatoes to a sweet, sweet game, I'm going to give you a bit of philosophically related trivia today. Not exactly philosophy, but philosophically related. So, here we go. Here's a question. Who did George Bush Jr., so I guess uh, George W. Bush say was his favorite political philosopher? Mm. We're about to get deep. I'll give you a hint. He was Jewish. So it was not the incredibly waspy Thomas Hobbes. Hobbes. One more time. Who was George W. Bush's favorite political philosopher? Uh, let me count down. Five, four, three, two, one. Uh, okay. The answer is uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that Christ. The Jesus one. Bush told an Iowa audience during a 1999 Republican presidential debate that Christ was his favorite political philosopher because he changed my heart hmm. and uh, of course after he uh, said that the nation could no longer take him seriously as a presidential candidate and he decisively lost to Al Gore in the upcoming election and uh, Al Gore was able to beat global warming by changing his mind and putting the brakes on damaging neoliberal policies that he inevitably saw as leading to environmental destruction and the earth breathed a sigh of relief on to the main of the episode. Today, I want to talk about ethics, right from wrong. What should uh, we do? When we judge actions to be morally right or wrong, or people to be morally good or bad, or 
outcomes to be just or unjust, we engage in practice of uh, moral appraisal. But this practice raises all sorts of publings, publis, puzzling substantive questions to which principles, uh, you know, to which principles do we implicitly or explicitly refer to when we engage in moral appraisal? Are these principles consequentialist or deontological? Or is moral thinking less general and more, you know, case by case? What is it to live the good life? How should we treat our fellow man or woman? Our fellow humans? Hell, let's throw the animals into the mix too. How should we treat them? All part of ethics. Ethics is trying to find out what is right or wrong, and that is a task in and of itself, but there's another level to uh, ethics, a loftier level, arguably uh, even more philosophically interesting, and uh, one that arguably must be solved before getting into determining right from wrong, and that is meta-ethics, this loftier level. As I say arguably, I realize that modifier is probably irrelevant in a philosophical uh, discussion because all things in the philosophical realm should be considered arguable, shouldn't they? Now, let's assume it's probably a lot more uh, telling of a modifier in a philosophical discussion. Anyways, meta-ethics are the arguments that take place at the level above questions of right and wrong. They are uh, the questions we must uh, figure out first before we tackle the questions of what we should or shouldn't do. Oh, this lofty thing called meta-ethics is the theoretical inquiry into the very nature of morality. Questions like what is the good? How do the rightness and wrongness of actions fall out of a definition of goodness? And what is the status of moral intuitions? And is moral morality objective or relative? And the question that we will look at today, maybe the most meta of them all, the bell of the philosophical ball. Are there such things as objective facts about uh, morality at uh, this point? Let me just try to get my head around what uh, objectivity in the moral realm could mean. So, in the words of the most perhaps generically named philosopher, Michael Smith, he says, the main uh, question of this kind that has preoccupied moral philosophers in recent years is um, whether when we make moral judgments... We express beliefs uh, about the way the world is morally, or um, instead express some sort of non-belief state. Uh, let's say, I desire, mm, say, that the world be a certain way. So, it seems to be the clash between the idea of whether there are moral facts when we utter moral sentences, or is it just when we utter a moral sentence, um, an expression of a desire, a hope? Now, the basic idea behind moral realism is that uh, moral claims are derived from moral facts, as I said. Like the claim that the sentence snow is white represents a fact about the way the world is, namely that the real world object snow is white. So the sentence gets its grounding from the fact in the world. Likewise, moral claims are based on objectively true moral facts. Killing is morally wrong. That statement can be backed up by a certain moral fact that we can cut out of the world. Of the world, let's say, of reality, uh, can be up in the air where that moral fact resides and even if it has to reside somewhere that might be a very clumsy metaphor on my part anyway 
These moral facts, so of course they may not exist in the tripping over real rocks world of white snow, but uh, the moral realist likes to say that somewhere they do exist. And, you know, existence might be a philosophically touchy word to apply to them. You know, philosoph philosophers are kind of um, touchy, linguistically touchy uh, and uh, conceptually anal people. But uh, that's the nature of the uh, beast. Uh, so they uh, moral facts may not have the existence um, of a real world thing, but they are real in some sense. Now, there are just a plethora, a whole bunch of moral realists out there. Uh, they are a bit of uh, they're they're a bit of the rainbow chasers of the philosophical world, uh, you know, chasing a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And uh, if we can find this pot of gold, you know, it, it would be very nice. Um, it'd be a very nice world indeed, wouldn't it? No more moral and I'll assume political disagreements based on uh, morality. If there uh, is. If there is, you know, a disagreement, then we only have to refer to that uh, big old dusty moral facts book. Uh, wouldn't that be, you know, convenient? The internet would probably just implode because without moral disagreement, where would uh, Twitter be? Moral realists, because of the vagueness of their um, goal, come in a lot of different varieties. Uh, but they do believe that there is something backing up their moral claims. But what that particular thing is has a variety of candidates. And when I say moral objectivists are uh, rainbow chasers, I mean that in the kindest possible way. I think I started out as a clear moral objectivist. I had a strong initial inclination towards Immanuel Kant. I quite uh, liked him. And then my grip got loosened by reading uh, that American pragmatist philosopher Richard Rorty. And Rorty has a way of making you lose faith in any philosophical project. Though he does often ask you to have hope. Though at a certain point that, you know, hope comes some sort of lip service. But anyways, recently I've been coming back around towards the possibility of thinking that there could be moral facts. Though I find uh, facts to be a word borrowed from empiricism and is thus a bit awkward in this situation to my ears. Anyway, anyways, moral realism most generally construed rests on the claim that when we make a moral claim, we do so as if we are referring to a moral fact for justification. So we can't point to objects in the world to confirm moral facts the way that we can point to the white snow. How damning is this though, you know? Should we just throw in the towel now? Well, no, not exactly. Everyday cognition is reliant on reference to mathematical facts and logical facts. Take away these type of facts and try getting by in the world without modus ponens. You know, modus ponens, it tells me that if it is raining, then the road will be wet, after all. Or the uh, addition of two and two makes four. Can't trip over these facts, but they certainly exist. But how do they exist? And getting back to the original idea, how do moral facts exist?
Philosopher Shin Kim, in his excellent entry in the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy, says that uh, moral realism can be broken down into a number of claims. And the, the definition here, you know, it's a bit dry. It's best to get things down at the beginning, I think. So according to Kim, the uh, moral realist may argue for the um, view that there are moral facts as uh, follows. Moral sentences are sometimes true. That's premise number one. Moral sentences are uh, sometimes true. It's not so contentious. Number two, a sentence is true only if the truth-making relation holds between it and the thing that makes it true. So number two, premise number two, a sentence is true only if a truth-making relation holds between it, the sentence, and something in the world that makes it true. Premise number three, thus, true moral sentences are true only because their holds the truth-making relation between them and the things, I guess the moral facts, that make them true. Therefore, the things that make some moral sentences true must exist. Kim. Kim adds for good measure that it is a short inference from the existence of the things that make some moral sentences true to the existence of moral facts. By the way, you know, this, uh, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, you know, it's seen as the, it's seen as the gold standard of the, um... Uh, philosophical uh, philosophy reference sites, but the uh, mm, um, internet encyclopedia often has the more readable entries, highly readable, probably better for the beginner or someone who just wants a slightly lighter but nevertheless uh, substantive reading on a topic. Now, Kim's points that he outlines here, these are, uh, these are contentious points. These are contentious points, but some moral realists claim that moral claims are descriptive of the world, like snow is white. They say this because both style claims share the same syntactic structure. Sam is good, you know, the man Sam or the woman Sam predicates a kind of goodness to Sam. Just as Sam is four-legged predicates having four legs to her. Because both these sentences are used as if they predicate objects in the world and people readily and easily use the predication of good in ways that, you know, do not cause uh, confusion outside of the philosophical community. Then uh, we should treat these moral predications as uh, referring to moral facts in the world. Let's look at um, some ethical views that could either fall in or uh, out of the moral realist uh, camp. Moral realists count among their members both Kantians and utilitarians. Kant believes that the facts and limits of reasoning itself give justification to our uh, morality. Specifically, morality, as you know, Kant defines it. Our faculty of reason rightly employed allows us to uh, discover morality in the form of categorical imperatives. Actually, you know, here's the thing. I... Uh, uh, thought for sure that all Kantians were moral realists, but then I googled it, and apparently some believe, some believe that a belief in moral realism is uh, not necessary to be a Kantian. Go figure, because categorical imperatives are not descriptions, but rather they are imperatives, as in they are commands. You shouldn't. The sentence you shouldn't isn't like a descriptive belief. 
with a truth value like snow is white. Rather, you know, it's a command. An imperative is a command like don't lie. Like, hey, you, don't lie. You know, but saying, hey, you, don't lie, that can't really have a truth value, can it? So there's some controversy there over whether Kantians should be moral realists or not because they seem to ground um, morality and facts about our reason, but the categorical imperative is called the categorical imperative. Now, likewise, a utilitarian believes that the experience of happiness is the factual content that grounds goodness. Utilitarians are interesting in the sense that it is not completely clear whether they have to believe in a more robust moral realism to hold up their theory. Some uh, utilitarians may simply believe that given uh, the lack of discovery of no other obvious moral facts, then it is best to identify moral rightness with happiness, but that there's nothing particularly metaphysically uh, special about this connection between good and happiness, just that it uh, seems to be sensible for beings who prize happiness. Nevertheless, despite the absence of metaphysical connection, utilitarians are still, you know, uh, providing factual justification for what uh, they choose to call the good. So I guess what we can conclude from this is that each ethical theory can have supporters that fall in either the moral realist or non-realist camp. Philosophers, they are a contentious bunch, and uh, everyone has their own spin on things, so I should have known better than to be surprised. So, let's stop there. And next time, we will look at J.L. Mackey and his denial of moral realism uh, that he calls error theory, as well as some ways in which you could possibly reply to Mackey. Yeah, thank you for listening. On the very idea, a philosophy podcast. 